Thank you, Courtney, for that beautiful transition. I'm going to uh, continue as uh, we transition the young people out. Uh, special experience for them uh, from K through 5, also nursery care available. So uh, just follow Miss Whitney, and she'll bring you back to there. Uh, we're going to keep Courtney in our prayers as she uh, heads to basic training this week. Uh, so uh, keep her uh, just in your daily prayers as she goes through uh, what will hopefully be a great experience, uh, as I know many friends who have done it myself, and uh, just uh, enjoy that uh, life in the military and uh, enjoy that experience and new friends and new family you're going to make there. Let us uh, join together now as we move into our teaching time and we continue our Go Fish series and pray together the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us, the Lord's Prayer. It's going to be on the screen. Just encourage you, if you, uh, even if you know it by heart, we uh, do it a little bit differently here. And just encourage you to read it together as it's on the screen from the Common English Bible, from the Gospel of Matthew. Let's pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let us continue in a mind of prayer. Lord, now as we delve into your word, as we open our hearts to what you would speak to us, what you would whisper to us this night, truly send your spirit upon us. Fill us with your love and grace. Open our ears, open our minds, free us from all the answers we think we know. That we may truly hear the truth that Jesus Christ provides us every day through his word, through your word, today and forever. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Well, tonight we continue our Go Fish series. We have been talking about the last several weeks, fishing. When Jesus called his early disciples, he said, I am going to make you fish for people. Now, that's not why they followed him. They followed him because he was doing awesome things. He was making the blind see. He was making uh, lepers be whole. He was making people who couldn't walk, walk. He was turning water into wine. Wouldn't you want to follow somebody like that? Party wherever you go. But his promise was not, follow me and we're going to, you know, have water with us all the time. Do with that what you will. He said, if you follow me, I'm going to change you and you're going to start fishing for people. The problem we have today, years later, Jesus is still transforming us, still saying, I'm going to make you fish for people. The problem is fishing is hard. We get scared when we want to share our faith, when we want to reach out to our neighbors, when we want to invite someone to church. It's scary. We get confused. We think we have to know the answers to every question they may ask. We think we have to have a complete understanding of the Bible. We think we have to be perfect. We think we have to model certain things and do certain things. We get caught up in the fishing experience a little too much. I'm going to give you an example as we head into uh, muddy waters tonight. When I was a little boy, I grew up by two rivers, actually my entire childhood. I grew up um, 
by rivers. I told Jamie not too long ago after I called her racing folk um, that I, uh, I'm river folk because I grew up by the Mississippi. I don't know what's better, river folk or racing folk. We can have a straw poll about that later. But when I was uh, in grade school and high school, I lived in Ottawa, Illinois, and Ottawa sits on two rivers, the Illinois and the Fox. And I live within walking distance of both rivers closest to the Fox River. And we would go down to the Fox River, my, my friends and I, when I was little, and we would watch the fishermen. And we go down by, the, I, don't, I have no idea why you would want to actually fish out of the Fox River, you know, or even be near it, because it, it did have a stink about it, but, and some things being dumped into it. But no, no doubt, there was all kinds of people there, and they would line up and they would fish. And we would sit and we would go down and we'd just be amazed by these fishermen and women. They'd had just the, the most expensive, shiny, new rods. Some of them had great boats, motor boats, you know, motor boats that cost more than cars. And they'd be out there on the river on their boats. They'd have all the gear, all the, you know, all the hats, all the vests, everything you need to do to catch fish because fish are concerned about what you wear, if you know anything about fish. They'd have those lures, you know, you, you watch the, the bass fishing shows and, you know, Billy Bob Joe, you know, he makes those hand, hand uh, that's his name, right? They, he makes those handmade lures that are guaranteed to catch the fish and they'd have thousands of those, just thousands and thousands of dollars. And we'd watch them and, you know, we'd sit down there and we'd mean throwing rocks in the river and stuff and, you know, they didn't much appreciate that, but we'd watch them and we'd watch them sit all day and sometimes they'd catch something, a lot of times they wouldn't. So we thought, you know, one day, we're going to fish. My friends and I, we, seven, eight, nine, we're going to fish. So we went down to the, we had a penny candy store. I don't, they probably sold other things, but that's all I remember. They, it was kind of a cheap store, you know, kind of a, a, a local grocery store. And uh, so we walked downtown and we went to the store and we got, you know, dollar fishing rods. We got little hooks and everything we needed. We went into the backyard at night, dug up worms, put them in a can. And we went out the next day, my friends and I, ready to fish. And, and, I, and I can't say for sure, but I imagine, thinking back about it, these fishermen who had spent hundreds and thousands, well, not hundreds, but hundreds or, or, or even thousands of dollars <clears throat> on all this fishing equipment, I bet they got a good chuckle about these two, three little boys walking down to the river with their dollar rods and their earthworms they got from the backyard. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened after that. But you see, we knew something, even seven, eight, nine years old. We knew that fishing was simple, right? Fish like food. So tie food to a stick and throw it in the water, and you'll catch fish. We didn't think we needed thousands of dollars or equipment or training or needing to watch the television shows, which were real popular growing up. They may still be, I don't know. We knew, throw fish, throw food in the water, and the fish will bite. We tend to do the same thing when we fish for people. We get confused about all the equipment we need. Now, we don't necessarily buy things to fish for people, but we think we have to know everything. We think we have to have all the answers do everything a, a particular way. Some of us think we need to pray a certain prayer or kind of give a certain speech or live a certain kind of life. But the truth is, 
fishing for people is simple. It's not complicated. And, and there's no reason if we look at the gospel, and we're going to do that tonight, that if we think about fishing, we have to make it anything more than it is. Actually, making it more complicated has pushed people away from the church. We actually make it harder on ourselves by muddying up the waters, by making things more confusing than they are. The truth is there's only one way to become Christian. It's not a hundred different ways, not a thousand different ways, only one way. And it's the same for you as it was for me, as it is for everyone who has, who, who did, and who will live. Regardless of sex, race, gender, all the same. So as we look in tonight, I want you to leave here knowing how to fish. And I'm going to say the same thing about a thousand different times in, diff in several different ways. And if you do not understand it by the end of the night, come up after worship and we will make an appointment and I will take whatever time is needed. I'm not, I'm not joking. I will take whatever time it is needed to explain it to you in a way that makes sense. Hopefully, I will have done that tonight. But if not, please, please, honestly, come talk to me. You have my cell phone number now. And we will figure it out together. So if you need to go fishing, you need to be able to answer two very important questions. And that's it. You just need to answer two questions. That's the entirety of fishing. You know, if you're actually fishing for, people, or for, for fish, all you need to do is, you know, get a stick and, and some food right? That's pretty much all there is. So when we're fishing for people, just two questions. First, what does a person need to know to become Christian? Second, what does a person need to do to become Christian? So the first question, what do you need to know? Second question, what do you need to do? What's the first question? What do you need to know? What's the second question? What do you need to do? So what do you need to know? What do you need to to do. The good news, answers are the same for everybody. This is not a multiple choice. You know, we're all beautiful, unique butterflies. I understand that. But this, the answer is the same for everybody. You know, e even though we're beautiful and unique and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Jesus made it very simple for all of us. God made it very simple for all of us. But before we go into the right answers, we need to address a couple of the um, answers that we've used over the years that aren't, don't really hit the, the nail on the head. There aren't necessarily wrong answers, but these are answers that complicate it. So I want to look at just four quick um, incorrect answers. The first is, you know, th these are answers to these questions. Uh, the first is about church attendance. Church attendance does not make you a Christian. You understand that? Church attendance is important because I have to write it down in a statistical report every year. So that's important to someone. I don't really know who, but hopefully they're not listening online. <clears throat> but it is. It's important we talk about that. It's important to be part of the fellowship. It's important to be part of the body. It's important to use your gifts and graces in a way that's impacting each other's lives, impacting the world. But being here tonight doesn't automatically make you a Christian. Uh, it, it, the, in the same way, sleeping in your garage tonight does not make you a car. 
sleep in your sleep in your garage tonight, and if you wake up tomorrow as a car, then call me, and I'll I'll, I'll you know write something in the paper. Actually, I'll bring a, I'll bring over a video camera because that'd be pretty great. So you understand that showing up does not make you a Christian. Second, being Christian is not about getting your life together. Sometimes, and this isn't just us tonight, this is everyone out in the world, some people think that to be a Christian, you have to have your act together. You have to, you know, you have to know all the right moves, and you, know, you have to know when to sit down and when to stand up, and you have to know all the songs and all the right prayers, and you just have to be perfect because Christians are perfect and good people. And so to be Christian, you obviously have to reach that goal. I'm not saying that any of us here tonight believe that, but there are people who you're going to be fishing to who believe that. And you need to know that. And you need to be able to dispel that. No, no, wait. Christians acknowledge that we aren't perfect, that we need help, and that's why we fish. Third, being Christian, and this isn't as big an issue um, in this region of the area or the states as it is in other regions, but being Christian is not about praying a prayer. Again, prayer is important. Prayer is vital. You should be praying constantly. Paul says, pray without ceasing. I really hold on to that. I believe as you grow in your prayer life, prayer becomes something you're just doing all of the time. That when you're walking down the street, you're just in prayer. You're in conversation, dialogue with God. Prayer is vitally important. Please hear that. But prayer does not make you a Christian. There are some uh, Christians and some groups that say, you've got to pray this prayer to be saved. You've got to pray this prayer to have eternal life. You've got to pray this prayer to know Jesus. And yes, there are prayers that can help facilitate the process, but there is no particular set of words that Jesus gave us to make you Christian. There's no, there, there's no kind of codex, and Jesus said, okay, if you read this, if you get somebody, trick them, you know, write it in their, in their uh, you know, uh, SpaghettiOs or something. SpaghettiOs are just O's, so that would be hard. Alphabets is what I was trying to think, alphabet cereal. <laughs> if, well, you know, if you could write it in, in uh, SpaghettiOs, that would be pretty intense. There, there's no like little dialogue you can trick people into to becoming Christian. Again, prayer is important, vitally, but it doesn't save us. It doesn't make us something different. Finally, and, and this may just blow your mind, and if it does, okay. Being Christian is not about your commitment to God. All right? You can just sit with that for a second. Being Christian is not about how much you love God. It's not about how much you're devoted to God. For thousands of years before Jesus Christ lived, there were people who were committed to God. And there were people who were devoted to God. And there were people who loved God. And they weren't Christian. Do you understand that? And there still are people who are devoted to God, who are committed to God all across the world. Muslims, Jews, regular folks. Love God, our God, share the same God. They're not Christian. Christianity is about something particular, an event that we talked about, happened at a place, at a date, at a time. It's not intuitive. We have to tell it. We have to share that story. But it's, it's more than just devotion. Yes, it's in the God realm, obviously, but it's about something very particular. All right, so we need to answer our two questions and to do that, all we need to do is look at one verse. That's it. 
Could it be that simple? Yes. So if you have your Bibles, I've been telling you now for a few weeks to bring them, so hopefully you have them. Get your phone out, get your iPad out. John 3.16. John is the uh, fourth gospel in the New Testament. Story of Jesus. One of my favorite. Third chapter, 16 verse. This is the uh, most famous scripture in the entire Bible, isn't it? Probably everyone here tonight at least has heard it or at least knows John 3.16. You know, you see it at sports games and stuff. There's a reason it's the most famous verse. We didn't, you know, have a lottery one year and just pick, hey, this is the verse we like. This is literally one of the most important, if not the most important verse in Scripture. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we share it. And, and, and if you know nothing else about the Bible, if you, if you couldn't tell me, you know, uh, Gideon from Ruth or, or anything in between, if you don't know who Paul is or who Bathsheba was, that's okay. Go home and memorize this verse. Write it on a card, put it in your wallet. Mark it in your Bible. Uh, you know, select it on your, uh, you know, version app. Tattoo it on your body somewhere. Okay, well, maybe, maybe don't tattoo it on your body somewhere. Well, at least somewhere where you can see it. Don't tattoo it on your back unless you have a mirror with you all the time because that would be a little more difficult. We can talk about that later if you want. To. We're going to take a trip after church and uh, go down to the tattoo parlor. It, it is, I'm joking, but it is that important to know this particular verse because if you know this verse, you will be able to answer our two questions. The first is, what do I need to know to be a Christian? The second is, what do I need to do? So if you memorize this verse, if you know this verse, if it's written on your heart, you will be able to answer those two questions and you will be equipped for all the fishing you'll ever need to do. You will have all the tools at your disposal. You don't need anything but this verse. This is all you need if you're going to share Jesus with others. So let's read this verse, and we're going to go through it slowly. Kind of highlight a couple key, key passages. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As emphasized each of the four words that we're going to look over now. I want you to know these words. I want you to know this verse. First, God loved the world. If you have a pen with you, just highlight, underline, loved. God loved the world. Can we say that? God loved the world. This is the answer to the first question. This is what we need to know to become Christian. We need to know that God loved us. A lot of people in the world think that God is out there to get them, to judge them, to make them uh, less than who they are, to put them down, because we as Christians have done that for around 2,000 years. We've put other people down. We've made people think that God is kind of waiting in the wings like an evil Santa Claus, ready to just get them. Ready to kind of leap out of the closet when you go to sleep and say, Ooh, I got you. I know what you've been doing. 
But John 3.16 is clear. God loved the world. God doesn't hate the world. God isn't angry with the world. God isn't judging the world. God loved the world. God loved the world no matter what the world was doing, no matter the condition it was in. God loved us. And all of us who were to come, all of us who will come. And God intervened in our history because of that love. We had a whole eight-week sermon series on that very topic, how much God loved us. The next part is that he gave us his only son. God gave his only son. Can we say that? God gave his only son. God loved. God gave. When God loved, it wasn't just in word. He wasn't sitting up in heaven in a throne covered, you know, with different kinds of gems with weird-looking creatures and angels and disciples and tribes of Israel and all kinds of people in white singing, saying, yep, I love the world. No, God loved indeed in action. And that love took shape. It took form in his only son, in the gift he gave. Because when we love someone, we share that love. We show that love. If you had someone in your life who told you you loved you, told you that they loved you, and then treated you terribly, that really isn't love, is it? The people in your life who love you, whether they said it or not, hopefully they did, but whether they said it or not, showed it every day. Maybe in ways you never even knew. Maybe in ways you still don't know. But God showed us in a very particular and profound way He sent His Son. He became flesh and lived among us, as the Gospel said earlier in chapter 1. This gift happened in a very particular moment, in a very particular time, in a particular place. And that's why being Christian is more about this moment than it is about how we act, what we look like, what we say. It's not intuitive. We talked a lot about that. You have to share the story. So you need to know two things to answer what do you need to know. What do you need to know? God loved. God gave. All right? What do you need to know? God. God. That's what you need to share. If you're fishing, that's the bait, you know. That's the bait. That's what's hanging out there. God loved. He loved you so much. He gave you His only Son. That's all you need to know. Yeah, there are, there are other questions. Okay, you know, what's the, the true nature? What's the perichoretical nature of the triune God? How does you know, that work in with the homoousius of Christ and, and all those things, you know? Other words that you don't know. I don't know, I just make them up. You can know all that stuff. You can study that stuff. We need to talk about that stuff. But at the very core, at the very base of what we're doing, you need to know two things when you're sharing this message with other people. God loved, God gave. He loved you, He gave to you. That's it. All the other stuff comes after. To be Christian, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. 
Now we have to answer our second question. What do you need to do to become Christian? Well, we just keep reading. Isn't that nice? It's all laid out here in just this one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, belief in. This is the harder question. What do you, okay, what do you need to do? But it's actually fairly easy. You need to believe in Christ. Now in Greek, the word, uh, the verbiage here for believe in can actually be better translated or, or better understood as trust in. I believe a lot of things, right? I believe all kinds of things. It's not necessarily about the, the, the head knowledge of what I have. It's about the trust, what I put my trust in. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Trust in me. God loved you. God gave you me, Jesus Christ. Trust in me. Believe in me. They kind of go hand in hand, but, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, because, Lord, I believed in Jesus for a long time. I went to church, right? I grew up, I was baptized a few months after I was born. Grew up in a Christian home. I knew Jesus before I probably knew my parents, quite honestly. Heard about Jesus every week. I knew all about Jesus. I went to college with a great understanding of who Jesus was. I had read the Bible several times. I had studied the Bible. I had gone through disciple Bible study. I had been to Lay Academy. This is before I went to college. I had gone through confirmation. I had done all the Methodist things I needed to do to become Christian. I knew who Jesus was. I believed he existed. I had no problem with that. But I didn't trust in him. And that's what he's talking about here. It's not good enough just to believe in, because there's all kinds of people who believe. I mean, I have all kinds of Jewish friends who believe in Jesus. Nobody's arguing Jesus didn't exist. I mean, there are some people who argue Jesus didn't exist, but they're a very small minority, even in the academic and atheist community, very small minority. Most people believe he existed. There's fairly good historical proof for his existence on earth. But they don't trust in him. Their belief isn't marked with trust. Their belief isn't putting their full hearts behind him. Their belief isn't leading them to something else. And what it leads to is this very next passage. That whoever believes in him, in Christ, should not perish, but will have eternal life. God loved. God gave. We believe and we have. That's the promise. That's what you need to do. You need to believe so that you can have. Belief leads to having new life. It leads to having life in. Now, here's another thing that may blow your mind. Maybe not. Maybe it just blows my mind. That's good enough, right? Eternal life, as being talked about here in John 3.16. Eternal life is not about living forever. It is about living forever, but it's not all about living forever. And here, here's what may blow your mind. Everyone lives forever. Somewhere. Okay, you want to take that one home and think about it for a while. 
It's true. Everyone lives forever somewhere. Jesus is saying, trust in me and I will give you new life. Yes, life that will continue far beyond your life here on earth. Courtney sang a beautiful song about our temporary home and Jesus talks a lot about that we are just visiting, we're just renting this space because our real home is the kingdom of heaven here and, and later. But Jesus was all about here and now too. And internal life is all about here and now. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, if you trust in me, I am going to give you new life, eternal life, life that's changing you, making you something new, something eternal, something that lives beyond. It's not about where you go when you die necessarily. It's about the kind of life you live. Yes, in the after, but yes, today. That's all you need to know. I'm going to repeat it a few more times, just so you really get it. But that's all you need to know. You got the bait, and you got the technique to reel them in, right? What do you need to know to become Christian? God loved, God gave. Right? Can we say that together? God loved, God gave. What do you need to do to become Christian? We believe and we have, but I'm going to train, change it so it rhymes. All right? We believe, we receive. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't come up with that. But we'll pretend like, yeah. I, I went to seminary. Thank you. Somebody needs, to think, somebody needs to think so. We believe we receive. So what do we need to do to become Christian? We believe we receive. Do you think it could really be that simple? Could it really, really be so simple? And, and if it is so simple, why is this book so darn big? There's a lot of pages. I don't know how many pages are in yours. Mine's got a few hundred here. Well, I guess this does go straight up. So 1,200, 1,300 words, 1,300 pages. Uh, more than 1,300 words. It's a pretty big book. That's bigger than Twilight and Hunger Games combined, actually. It's a little smaller than Game of Thrones, but, you know, some people have more time on their hands than others. Could it really be that simple? Of course it is. This is a complex book, yes, and you can read it and, and your brain can just melt because of everything that's in here. But when it comes down to the bare bones, this entire book is the story of God-loving, God-giving, humanity believing in, and humanity receiving in. So yeah, the first half is a little bit more about the God-loving and the God-giving. And the second half is a little bit more about the receiving and the believing. And, and some of you have a middle part, and that's just, you know, you know, when you're bored. You can just read that part. 
There's some good stuff in the Apocrypha, in case your Bible has that. Not all of our Bibles do. That's it. The Old Testament, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, they set the stage. They just tell us time and time again how much God loves us. How much God loves us. God trying to save us time and time again. And then we hit the Gospels and we learn about God giving us his only son. And we go into the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible and it tells us the story of people trusting in God and people having eternal life. And that story continues. It's that simple. Now there's a couple other things you need to know. The first thing's about judgment. Now some of us uh, and some people, I guess maybe even all of us sometimes, think we need to fish because there are people out there who aren't very good. Or there are people out there who are just hell-bound, and so we got to go fish to save them. That God came to condemn people, and so we got to get everybody on board so they don't get condemned. But here, here the very next verse, and you don't have to memorize this one, but you need to have it in the back of your mind. So this is John three seventeen. Unfortunately, sometimes we forget to read this verse, but... It's exceptionally important. Like again, you don't have to memorize this one, but you at least have to know it's in here. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world. Not to condemn the world. But that the world might be saved through Him. Fishing is about saving souls. Not because God has just condemned the whole world. The world's been condemned for a long time and it had nothing to do with God. It had a whole lot to do about us. And I don't know if, you, if you've read any history, but 2,000 years ago, the world was kind of a mess. And I know some people think, well, the, the world's in, in the worst situation it ever has been. But I look back at the history and I read the stories of the early colonizations and I read the stories of the Revolutionary War, and I read the stories of what happened in Nazi Germany, and I read the stories about what's happening today, and pretty much throughout, the world's kind of been a mess. We've been messing things up for a long time. We've been killing each other and hating on each other. We've been bombing each other and finding new and inventive ways to kill each other. Yes, we can do it by drones now, so it's less messy. We, we can feel maybe a little bit better about it. We don't have to just, you know, run up to people with spears and sticks and stuff. Throw stones at them. The world's been a mess for a long time. God didn't come and just say, this place is a mess. I'm done. God said, I know you guys may have messed up. And I know you keep messing up, but I love you and I'm sending my son. Not to further condemn the world. Not to plunge it into darkness. John is very clear to bring it into light. That theme of light and darkness comes throughout the Gospel of John because God is intentionally telling us that yes, the world can be a place of darkness, but I am a God of light. And I'm bringing light to darkness every day. So when we fish, it's not because we're better than anybody else. It's not because God is so angry, God's just ready to get people because God wants to save us desperately so that we can have eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Because God loved, God gave, we believe and we receive. That's all you got to know. Four words. 
Now, there's another thing, and it's, it's this thing called sin. And it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with judgment. But we have to realize people don't live apart from the church because of sin. We are all sinners. Everybody out there is sinners. Everybody in here is a sinner. We are all in that pool together. But sin is not keeping us and not keeping anyone away from the church. Because Jesus Christ defeated sin on a cross 2,000 years ago. God already dealt with that mess. The reason people are not living eternal life is because we haven't fished and they haven't trusted. They may have even taken the bait. They may understand that God loved and God gave, but we haven't reeled them in. They haven't believed. They haven't trusted. And so that's what we do. That's our job. God can wash away sins. God can save. Nothing we can do can save anyone. Jesus Christ came to save us. Jesus Christ came to do the saving work. We're doing the fishing. We're throwing the bait out there. What's the bait? God loved. God gave. Then we reel them in. We believe. We receive. It's that simple. Now those, uh, those fishermen... <laughs> down by the Fox River, gorgeous river if you've ever been down to the Fox, where, where it meets in Ottawa. Ottawa's in a, in a valley, so all the runoff from everywhere goes down into the rivers where I grew up. And I live just, just a hop skipping away from the Fox River and the rats that, you know, like that big coming out of the river. You don't have racing rats. We have river rats if you're river foe. They're, they, well, it is gross when they get in your house, too. They can eat all your groceries. It's a mess. But we went down there and we had our, you know, our cheap plastic uh, rods and we had our, our jar of earthworms and we started throwing the bait out there. All those fishermen, they kind of had a laugh, I'm sure. They hadn't been catching anything all day. Then all of a sudden, we reel one in. Reel two in and reel three in. And before long, we got a whole cooler full of fish. I'm not sure that you'd want to eat any of them. Three or four heads and a couple eyes. No. It's good. It's good living. I love my hometown. It's a, one, it's a wonderful place, actually. Because fishing is simple. You don't need a $1,000 titanium or, or whatever they're made out of the fancy rods. You don't need that special bait. Okay, maybe you do to catch certain fish, but you understand the kind of premise. At the end of the day, for thousands of years, people have been throwing food into the water and bringing in fish. Back in the day when Jesus lived, they threw bait out into the water and threw a big net down and scooped up all the fish. Simple. Fish like food. Throw some food in, snatch them up. It's that simple. That's how I get the cats. Throw some food down, snatch them up. That's how my wife gets the cats. Throw some food down, snatch them up. They're too preoccupied with eating to notice you're sneaking up on them. Fishing for people is the same way. Keep it simple. Remember, the, the story you need to share is just for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have eternal life. Tattoo it on your arms, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Memorize it, keep it on your heart. Keep it in your wallet, keep it in your purse, mark it in your Bible so that you know the story. Because yes, it's a long book and yes, you need to read the whole thing and yes, you need to study it for the rest of your life. And yes, you need to pray and yes, you need to come to church. Yes, you need to be in a community of faith. But at the very end of the day, the process for fishing is simple. God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. So add that to our our kind of growing understanding of the fishing process. Continue to encourage you to pray for boldness every day. Say, Lord, grant me boldness that I can share your good news. Remember that fishing, you know, I didn't say I went down by myself. I said I went down with my buddies, Kevin and Andrew. Yeah, that was their names. And the three of us went down and we got our fishing poles because it's a buddy experience. Remember, when you fish out in the world, your partner is the church. When you reel them in, you don't just throw them back into the lake. You bring them into the family. You fry them. No, wait a minute. At some point, the metaphor does not work anymore. And maybe that's, you skin them a little. No, no, you know, don't do that. You bring them home. Put them in an aquarium. No. Yeah, it, it kind of, it stops working at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, not good. Pray for boldness. Remember, this is not a solo expedition. And remember, all you need to know to answer two important questions. What do you need to know? What do you need to do? You need to know God loved. You need to know God gave. What do you need to do? Well, you need to trust in God. You need to believe and you need to receive that eternal life. Go fish. Amen. All right, as we transition to uh, the third part of our worship experience, the praise, we just uh, pray for a just hearts that are just on fire for God, able to reach out to God. Before we do that, we are uh, going to take our offering, and we just encourage you. We uh, just continue to just thank you for your support. And uh, as we get into the fall, we're going to talk real particularly about what we need next year, uh, what it's going to look like, how we do our ministry, all that. We're going to get into that. Uh, so I just thank you, those of you who have been supporting us. That's just a wonderful, a wonderful gift that we have received uh, with good faith. Uh, before we do that, before we collect, uh, 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 before we uh, receive our offering, let's um, enter a time of prayer as we uh, just consider those who aren't here, those who uh, need your love. We have uh, all kinds of people going through all kinds of things. Uh, but we're here together in solidarity. We're here together as a church that we can celebrate God in the high times and the good times, also in the bad times. If you're interested in kind of knowing uh, all the prayer requests that we get every week, we actually put them out in a prayer chain uh, if you've marked it accordingly. If you want to be part of that, you can email me, you can call me. I'll put you on that chain. We just pray for all those prayer requests every single week. We do that as just a, a commitment for our life together uh, and our needs together. So let's just pray uh, now for those who aren't here, for those who truly need to experience that eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful week. Oh, it's been hot, but we thank you anyway. We just continue to pray that uh, you give us relief and, and you give our land just water and the nourishment it needs. All of those who are 
waiting for that, all of those who need that, most of all our planet. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who need your love tonight. We ask that you be with those who are in darkness, who feel condemned, who have been judged, who are overwhelmed by sin. Help us. Bring them into the light. Help us let them know that you love them so much. You gave your only son. Help us lead them to you so that they can believe, they can trust, they can have eternal life. Lord, we ask that you be with all of our leaders. We have leaders of nations. We have leaders of communities. We have leaders of the church. We have leaders in each of our homes. We have leaders in each of our lives. Help all of those who call themselves or all of those who have been put in that position, whether they know it or not, of leadership. Take up that mantle. Follow you so that we can all be led together into your glorious life and your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you also be with all the servants. We have military men and women. Our sister Courtney, she's going to be going into that wonderful, wonderful family of our military. We just ask that you be with all of our men and women who serve us, whether they're across the seas fighting, whether they're at home serving us here. Be with them. Help us reach out to them. Help us love them. Care for their families. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who put their lives on lines are police officers as another night in Chicago sees 14 injured by gunshot wounds. We ask that you be with our police officers and our firefighters and our paramedics and all of those people who put their lives on the line so that we can be safe. Be with those who serve us in ways we don't even know. As we go out tonight, those who have served us in this setting who make this possible. Those who are going to serve us at our favorite restaurant tonight. Those who are going to serve us at the grocery store tomorrow before our family. Be with them. Lord, most of all, we ask that you be with your church. Be with new life. Strengthen her. Help us understand how to follow you so that we can truly be people who fish for people. We ask that you be with our parent congregation, Roscoe. That you strengthen her, that you make her strong to lead this area, this state line area, this district. We ask that you be with all of our sister congregations. Happen and Chavong and Christ and Bethlehem and Harlem and Evans and all your skate and Rockton and Grace. Our friends at Heartland, our friends at churches like Ottawa who support us. We don't even really know. We ask that you just strengthen that connection. That as brothers and sisters in Christ, we may not be alone, but that we may partner together in the fishing experience. Lord, we pray these things in your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, who you gave us because of your love. So that we may believe in him and have eternal life.